Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. All right, Dallas, can I get an oh yeah? Oh yeah. Perfect, perfect. Before we get into all the good stuff, before we hit record, we talked a lot about what we were going to talk about. We talked about focus preparation. We talked about overcoming obstacles. We talked about, we had a disagreement. We just only met Dallas and we already had a disagreement. So we'll talk about what we disagree on and then we'll um, go through some lessons learned and then kind of tie it all together. How's that sound? Okay. Sounds great. So the first thing I want to know from you is, and folks, if you want her, her complete bio, you can get that from the show notes and or her website. So we're not going to go through that, but I'm curious to know, you run a lot of businesses. <laughs> first of all, why, why, why do you run so many businesses and, and tell us the cursory overview of, of what those businesses are? Okay. So let's start with first. I really don't run that many businesses. I used to have so many businesses. And I mean, at least five or six, I used to. And I found that number one, it wasn't healthy for me. Number two, it confused people because I had people coming to me often like, where do I start with you? It's just too many options. So I feel like I really tapped into my success when I started to narrow down because just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. So I'm like a super, super artistic person. And a lot of entrepreneurs are behind the scenes. There's a lot of things I can do. And I'm going to talk about it on this podcast because I don't want you to ask me to do any of them right now. Because <laughs> every time I tell someone, they say, oh, can you do it now? No, I'm not going to do it. But it's a lot of things I can do. And I had to learn how to narrow down. So right now, all I really have that I actually run is my subscription business, which I have a team that's helping me to run it, which makes it all possible. And I have my coaching side, which is a business that's more to the side now because the subscription side really is a full time. And the subscription side has a sister company, which is a stationary store. It started as a store, still is a store, but it branched into a subscription box idea as well. So those kind of work together, seamlessly together. So it's really technically two businesses. I do have some other businesses ran behind the scenes with my husband, but I don't, I don't run them, you know, so I'm just a part of them. <laughs> I don't run them. So really technically I only have like two businesses right now. Well, that's only because you've been in the trenches and you've learned some things over the years. Talk about the early years where you had all the stuff. How did you come to the point where you were like, okay, 
I need to focus and narrow down and streamline some of this stuff. Because I heard you say the the businesses work seamlessly together. You have a team, but you didn't always have a team. So walk us through how, how you got to the focused multiple business owner that you are. Well, I think the difference between myself now and then is now I'm actually a company owner. I used to be an entrepreneur and both both play a significant role in your success. So I'm not going to say, oh, I'm better than an entrepreneur now because I've arrived. No, that's not what I'm saying. Without me first being an entrepreneur and getting out there, venturing out, trying different things, seeing what worked for me. It is a very challenging thing to go from working a nine to five where someone provides your schedule. They tell you what to do. They tell you what to take a break. They tell you what to take a vacation. And the whole system is there for you. So you get trained on this job. You come, you sit down, you do your work. And now you're this entrepreneur who you have nothing but time. I know for me, I retired my job really early in life and went head first into business. So I had to now manage my own time. I had to now set my own lunch breaks. I had to now come up with my own strategies. So I think that you start out with one idea as an entrepreneur, but then as you get out there, especially in the online space, and you start learning from different people or watching other people, I feel like you start up with one idea, but then that idea has to filter through everyone else's ideas what everyone else is suggesting that you do. And a lot of times what happens is by the time you get through half of that, now you have all these different arms, you know, or what do they say? Arms on the pot or whatever the saying is, because I always mess things up. (laughs) But you you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now you have all these different lanes that you created. And you think that in order to win the race and to get where I want to get through this path of entrepreneurship, the more lanes I open up, the faster I'm going to get there. But oftentimes it's just not true. It's just not true. I mean, now, like I said, different people have differences of opinions on this, but from my own experience, the more lanes that I had open, the less energy I had available to put into one long enough to really see it successful enough. A lot of times, like what we'll do, and I know I did, was like, I started out with a business, but now, ooh, they said I could make money over there if I do it this way. Let me go do that. Oh, wow, they're making a lot of money on Amazon. Let me go sell over there. And (laughs) you just start to spread yourself too thin and you don't spend any long, dedicated amount of time doing one skill. So then you just become, you're not good at really, I mean, you're not great at really anything. And that's what I found. I found that I think that what really made me face myself and go within and say, why am I doing this? Is this really even me? Are these even my ideas? Was when I had one of my clients who had been learning from me for years. And she was like, can I share something with you? And I was like, yeah, what's going on? And she said, listen, I mean, I would love to spend more with you. And I would love, she said, I would love to work with you more, but just watching you, I feel overwhelmed. And I don't know if anybody listening in, if there's somebody you admire who you're like, they exhaust me though. Watching them exhaust me. (laughs) If that's all that I have to do to be successful, maybe I need to get a job. Like this is too much. Well, I think I was that person. And I was just like, I don't know what to choose. When I go to your website, you have like 50 different courses. Every time I turn around, you're branching off and starting a new type of business. I just can't really keep up. And that made me say, oh, wow, that's not really what I want. When I'm working with clients, I want it to be an easy decision to work with me. I don't want it to be... Where do I start? So so that's when I really started to go within. Like, 
really, this isn't even working for me. What am I doing? It's not working for my potential clients and it's not even working for me. So I need to start really backing up. You need to start taking away some of the layers. I needed to start narrowing in on what is it that I'm here to do? Really going deep within with myself with what am I called to do? Because I definitely don't want people to get confused. So that brings me here where at this point I am an actual company owner. I own companies that have that where I have a team. I started out where as long as I can remember, I've always had an assistant because I had three children when I started my business. Well, I had two children when I started my business, then added another in. <laughs> then I added another in like a couple years later. So three, two small children, one a little bigger at the time. And I just, there was no way that I could handle all the tasks I needed to do and be a mom because I was a stay-at-home mom when I first launched into this. So I've always had an assistant, even if all I could do was pay my assistant. I've always had someone helping me. But now I have quite a few people helping me now. And it's just been able to add in over time as I've grown, as I've narrowed down and then I've grown and I've discovered like more about what my real gifts are and have some focus on them, they were able to grow. Now, unpack that a little bit. You mentioned there's a lot that we could we could go through, but what I'm curious to know is how do you hone in on what that thing is, right? You mentioned knowing what your gift, you called it calling. Right. How do you know what that is and how do you get over the fear of narrowing down, right? Because a lot of times people do a lot of things because they're afraid. They're afraid that if they do the one thing that it won't work or that it won't make enough money. So how did you, a uh, two-part question, I suppose, is how did you get over that fear and how did you know what that calling was? Okay. Well, I think that one thing that's helped me to get over the fear and one thing I encourage other people to do is to ask yourself what motivates you. And I think that what motivates us is different for each person. So like for me, I don't like to think about the pain of regret. That's what motivates me. And that's what's motivated me through my life out of bad relationships, out of everything I've been through. The pain of regret is what makes me take that next step forward. So I didn't want to be a person who I'm 80 and I look, I look back and I have 50 businesses and like, really, it's not sustainable. Like it's just not sustainable. So in my mind, I'm either going to go back to work, which some people love and I'm not knocking it, but for me, it's not an option. So go back to work or I'm going to narrow down and I'm either going to get there. Or I'm going to die trying, but I'm going to be darn proud about my effort, my focus, what I did. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's so funny because I had that conversation with my husband the other day because we were talking about the money and, you know, keeping it hundred percent running a business. You can run a six figure plus business and have major money problems with who, how to pay the bills and when to pay them and how to handle money. Like it's new when you make. So you mean once you become a six figure business owner, the sky doesn't open up and the sun doesn't shine no. and then there's not rainbows and sunshine? No, people won't tell you that. And they won't tell you that because they want to sell you into their next program. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you because I don't have nothing to lose that at every level, there are giants. There are problems. There are things that you're going to have to learn to do. So if you're used to running an a thousand there business and then you go to double digits or you go to those triple digits, you got to learn new skills to be able to manage money properly. Because with the income that grows, the bills grow as well to run the business. 
So now you have new problems, you know. But one thing I was saying was, you know, work really at this point isn't an option for me. Now I've changed my whole lifestyle. Now I've changed my family's lifestyle and given them more opportunities. So there is no going back. And at the end of the day, far as me, even if I leave this earth trying, okay, that's better than me accepting things that are not, you know, what I want. So I say that to anybody, if they want to get over the fear, what motivates you? Because different things motivate different people. Is it your kids? You know, is it, listen, I got to do this for my kids. Whatever you got to tell yourself to get over the fear and to get focused, that's what you need to tell yourself. For me, it's the pain of regret. So that's the first side of the question. What was the other? (laughs) So how did you know what your thing was? Like for me, being a fellow entrepreneur, like there are a lot of things that I can do, right? Right. To your earlier point. Mm -hmm. But you have to somehow focus on that one thing. And for me, I absolutely love meeting new people, hearing their story, and using that to help other people find their their thing, right? So I absolutely love podcasting. I love speaking. I love being in a room full of people just talking. I always tease that there are two things that are involved with my passion, me talking Mm -hmm. and a microphone. Give me a microphone, right. let me talk, and I'm in heaven. So so, so give maybe some practical things. How did you know what your thing was? So I think that we, we all know deep down inside what our thing is, but sometimes we spend a lifetime remembering what it is. Because I think that what it is that we love is something we've been doing from childhood a lot of times, a version of it. So like with me, I've always been the biggest giver, the biggest giver ever, like, Why do I love to give gifts? I love to give gifts, number one, because I love people's response to gifts. I feel like their happiness on the other end has just made my whole life. I love to make people feel special when they're giving something beautiful, right? It's how it makes them feel. So gift giving is number one, my thing, giving people amazing experiences. And number two is teaching. Like from little girl, I used to stay after school just so that I could help the teacher, just so that I could get all of her old papers to take them home in the trash bag. No, you were that kid. I was that kid. <laughs> she would give me trash bags of workbooks. Oh, like, oh, you could just have them. It was all her trash. And then I would go home to my little teeny chalkboard and I would teach school all summer. So no, I'm not in anybody's school, right? I'm not in anybody's school, but I've always loved it. So what happens, and it's kind of like a repeat of what I was saying before, but what happens with us as entrepreneurs, I feel like when we first think about our gift and then wanting to activate and monetize that, we're like, this would be a great idea if. I wonder what could happen if I took myself seriously. But then when we start to activate it, everybody out there is shouting, no, you can't activate that. That's not going to make you any money. No, you have to have this funnel. No, you got to speak this way. No, you got to market on this platform. Once you water down your gift through all of that, sometimes you get lost along the way and you end up doing all these other things. But when you return, when you come home to that initial thing, your initial idea, that's when it all lights up for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because going through all those things helps you to remember that this is just some other stuff. My gift was always enough. It was always enough. So I feel like me realizing that is what took my businesses to the next level because my subscription box is gift giving all day long. My coaching business, that's why I do so well selling products. My coaching business is what? 
teaching people, helping people. So these are my initial gifts that I've always started out with magnified. That's all. No, let me ask you this. So you find your thing, right? And but to monetize a thing is a different skill set. And and I I found that people one one of my favorite books is the email three visited. Okay. Because he broke down the three different facets or aspects of of business, right? The entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. Mm-hmm. What if you're a technician, right? And you want to monetize this thing. Give us give us some pointers because I heard you say earlier in our conversation you always had an assistant. So you had there was something in there, the gears were turning that you knew that there were there were things or aspects of the business that you didn't either either didn't want to do or shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so speak to that a little bit, right? Because okay. that's an important part of this whole whole equation, right? Yeah, it's a super important part. Well, the first thing is that I feel that you should know you should know your systems. You should know them. Even if you only know them a little bit, you should know all of your systems and how they work. And one of the things that I have helped people with in the past is their online marketing. So anything that I've ever given an assistant to do has been taught to them by me. So the assistant has never been, I don't know how to do this. Now, I do hire people that know how to do things that I don't know how to do, like video editing. I've hired my son for that. I do not do video. Like I record video. I don't ask me to edit it. It's not that I can't learn it. It's that I don't want to. An ads person. I know ads. Just in case anything happens, I can run ads for my business. But I don't like it. So I've hired someone who's way more of an expert than me with ads. And the same thing with web design. I can do what I need to do to get by. But I have someone. So I would say know what you need to know to get by if you need to. Because you never know what could happen. You have somebody on your team, they're here today, gone tomorrow. Are you going to be able to do nothing until you hire someone else? So I think it's good to know your system. But the reason I've hired out has been because I feel I can reserve the energy for the things that really light me up and for the things that I know are my gift and the things that I know burn me out that I don't enjoy as much. It's great that I can outsource those things. So that's what works for me right now. But... As far as the technician, you said some people are the technician. So when you say that, are you saying some people are great at the technical stuff? How do they monetize that? Yep. Let's say I, um, I'm a, just because I'm in, in the business, I'm a podcast editor. That is okay. what I do. I love it, but I'm, I'm not very good at the entrepreneurial stuff. And I'm, I suck as a manager. You should, I should never manage a, t- a team of humans. I just, I just, it's just not my thing, but I don't want to work a job. I want I want to be a, a business owner. How do how do I how do I manage that? Well, I think that another thing too is a good thing to ask yourself is what work really gets me in front of the right people that I need to do and what work does not. So I think that a lot of what makes us feel overwhelmed when we're at that stage is we think we need to do so much <laughs> to get us out there. But let's say you're a podcast editor, but you're terrible at web design, right? You're terrible at it, but somebody tells you that you need to have a website. Like, do you really need a full on website or do you just need a link tree to get people where they need to go to click a link and pay? Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you set up a basic payment page? The average person can go on YouTube and follow videos to set up a basic way to take payments, right? So I think it's what you really need versus what people are telling you are the popular things that you need. And I think that we spend a lot of time trying to be like all polished and that will come later. Once your business is built, 
and you're making that money, then you can hire someone to polish it for you. Mm -hmm. But what are the things that you really need to put you in contact with people who are your clients? If you focus more on that piece, you know, then I feel like you'll get there faster where you can then outsource the parts that you haven't been able to polish. And I speak with a lot of entrepreneurs who say, I'm rebranding and oh my God, they rebranded 10 times. I'm like, why are you, <laughs> this is not the problem. Why are you doing this again? And they really spend a lot of time trying to make themselves look like someone else they've seen online yesterday. That isn't getting you close to your clients. Why aren't you publishing YouTube videos? Why aren't you writing blog posts? Why aren't you pinning them? Why aren't you going live on Instagram where your audience is or Facebook where your audience is? Or why aren't you nurturing that Facebook group where you can actually talk to people? Why aren't you emailing that list that you purchased? Why aren't you on LinkedIn building connections? Where are the people that you're looking for? That's where you need to be and that needs to be your primary focus. So where are the people? Am I there? And then if they're ready to work with me, am I ready? Those are the two important questions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to kind of narrow down. Am I where the people are? Am I speaking? Am I talking? Am I being heard so that they can understand that I have the missing piece of the puzzle that they need? And when they're ready, am I ready? Because mm -hmm. some entrepreneurs do all the things, but then I'm like, okay, where's the link? Oh, I haven't set that up yet, sis. I got <laughs> to get back with you on the link. So you lose the sale. Nobody's thinking about you now mm -hmm. or you have that stuff set up, but you're not activated enough. Mm -hmm. You're not wherever you need to be to be seen. You're too big. You're off somewhere working on your website. So I think those are the two things. What if do you I, think? If I had a mic that I could <laughs> drop, I would, that would be the spot I would drop it. <laughs> so I want to, I want to talk about a point of disagreement. Like I said before, we've only just met Dallas and right. we've already had our first disagreement. Right. I said that starting a service-based business was uh what did i say i said it was simpler easier faster and you said cheaper. You, mm -hmm. you don't agree so i'm right. i'm curious to to unpack why mm -hmm. dallas that we've only just met why why, why do we disagree <laughs> okay so i definitely agree with you that the beautiful thing about running a service-based business is that it is cheaper okay you can get away with quite a bit for free. There are some great free tools for you to run your business. And once you make the money from your client, if you keep your business expenses low, you can enjoy that money. When I ran a business just as a coach for years, I had no money management skills. I coached people for high ticket. I made the money and I went and spent it on my family or whatever else I wanted to spend it on and paid my bills. And there was no questions asked. When I started the product-based business, that's another monster because Every dime has to be accounted for when you have, especially a subscription box business, you have a lot that you're responsible for. So let's say you have 400 subscribers and each subscriber needs to get 10 products each. That's 10 times 400 products that you have to buy every month. Then you need boxes, which are an expense. Then you need tissue paper, which is an expense. And I can just go on and on and on. So you... A lot of your money has to be spent paying people for labor and paying for supplies and shipping of those boxes every month. So every dime has to be managed. So that's the one thing I will say that I agree with you on. I would say that, yes, in when it comes to money and expenses, having your own service based business to me is easier. But when it comes to everything else, no. OK, and especially let me speak to the female energy out there. Okay, those who have a little more female energy. I'm not going to say man, woman. That's what I'm going to say, because I don't know how people are made up. But 
when you are selling services, you are technically selling you. So if you have, not technically, okay, but that's how we think. So if I just created this course and I, I had some fear around it, but now I finally got the guts up to create this course and I'm on camera just like we are now and I'm talking and I'm activated. I'm talking about how I can help you and I'm giving you my solution, right? You buy it, you hate it. You reach out to me in a week for your refund. The average person is going to take a hit to their self-esteem. If they have enough of that happen in their mental health and they're going to walk away feeling like, these people didn't want me. Not these people didn't want my product. These people didn't want me. So a lot of entrepreneurs walk around hurting, burned out. Uh, their mental health is deteriorating because every time they launch something and it doesn't go well, instead of them realizing that this is not a launch, this is just a test. This is an opportunity for me to learn and do better next time. This is not me. They walk away feeling like it's me that they don't want. And so they just keep trying to fix themselves and repair themselves over and over again, thinking people don't want them. But I feel like on the product side, it's more direct. Because if I decide I'm going to sell computers or something and you don't like the brand of computers that I sell, so you don't buy from me, that's your business. I'm not taking it personal at all. I'm like, oh, they just didn't want the computer. It's not me they didn't want. So this is to go out there for entrepreneurs that definitely have some self-worth issues or you are struggling in your mental health because of your launches, because of your business. It's because you are associating your worth with what you sell. And it's a very, very easy mistake to make that most people are making, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it, I feel like it makes it a little more challenging because you get your feelings about it. Got it. Any tips? And I know some of this work is what you do, helping people work through. So don't right. give away the farm here, but um, <laughs> no, <right. laughs> any, any, any quick tips on how to, to avoid that? Just realizing that you are not your gift. You are not your product. We're all gifted. We all come, let me not get too deep, but we all come down here on earth for our time, for our spin the wheel, right? And we come down here with many different gifts. Like you said, your gift is to speak. Give me a microphone and somebody to talk to and I'm in heaven. That's your gift. You know that's your gift. It lights you up every time you do it. But let's just say one day something drastic changes in your life and that's just not your passion anymore. And now you're trying to find yourself again. You are not your gift. You are you. You are a bright light and you have life in you. And that is your purpose is living every day. Mm -hmm. And every time you take a breath, you inspire someone else. Every time you smile at someone, you change. All those things matter too, right? You're somebody's friend. You might be somebody's father. You Like how we touch one another, whether it's on a large scale to us or not, is our gift, is our, is our life's purpose. So that's the first thing is don't miss the fact that you are alive and you are blessed. Don't lose sight of the bigger picture, which is that you are you have breath in your body. And as long as you do, you will always be in your full purpose and doing what you're supposed to be doing. So remember, you are worthy. And people have a lot of conversations around worth. They didn't pay me what I was worth. Well, how could somebody possibly do that? You can't measure your worth in money. If I was to measure my worth in money, nothing that anybody would ever pay me to work with me would be enough because that's how much I'm worth. That's how much you're worth. That's how much everybody is worth. When since this money, which was a man-made currency, define our worth now? Our worth is so much more. So decide what you want to get paid. Decide what feels good to you. 
in exchange for the service and move on. It has nothing to do with how much <laughs> you're worth. Your worth is so much more. So we're associating our worth with all of these different things. And when those things don't go well, we're feeling like crap on the floor. <laughs> that's a, so that's another thing. So I don't want, like you said, I'm not going to give away the whole farm because we, we don't have time for that. But that's just a couple things, reminders that you're worthy. You're more than worthy and you are not your gift. You are so much more. If you can remember those two things, I don't care if you sell something for $7 or $700 or $7,000 or $70,000. It's still just a price tag. You are more than, than that. You can get rich off of a $7 product. You can get rich off of a $1 product. That stuff does not matter. Money is money. It can add up. <laughs> so that's not the problem. The problem is that you keep associating how great you are with what you sell. And that's really two different things. So I think if you stop doing that, you can cut that problem. You can get rid of that problem. What's the number one thing that you're hoping for in the next year? In the next year, I just, you know, I, I just be grateful to be alive and well and even more free, like in my mind, in my everyday activities, my travel, you know, my family, my relationships, you know, my businesses are prospering, whatever that may look like. I don't know. But I just want to be just happy, joy, complete peace, complete health and incomplete trust, you know, of everything that's happening in my life, because I think that you cannot put a value on your peace and happiness. Like all this stuff is great. But this stuff can change. Like I might be selling $100,000 of subscription boxes right now. But in December, I don't know. It could be another product. So the source of my money may change. But I just want to be so happy at peace and have so much freedom to move about how I like to. Um, and just really be enjoying life. So I don't have any attachments to goals. I just want that's my one goal. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, maybe for another uh, a podcast. <laughs> another, another podcast. You have to have me back for part number two. Detachment from goals. Mm, let's talk about that. If people want to reach out to you, learn more about what you do, uh, how can they reach out and say hi? I'm mainly on Instagram. Like those are the DMs that I would see more than like LinkedIn or something like that because I'm very rarely checking my messages on <laughs> LinkedIn. But I'm always on Instagram. I am Dallas Gordon over on Instagram. Of course, you can always email me as well. Support at DallasGordon.com. Of course, I have my website, DallasGordon.com as well. So any of those channels, feel free to reach out and feel free to connect with me. All right, cool. Now, as before we say goodbye, what is the, the biggest lesson you've learned to, up to this point in your life? In my life? My whole life. The wow. whole thing. Like the whole thing. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> live in the moment because it's really all you have. You have nothing else. You don't have the past that's gone. You don't have tomorrow because you don't know what's happening there either. But the best moment you can make the most of is right now. So if something that you're looking at that's worrying you, you know it won't be an issue five years from now. Just find a way to bury it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dallas. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. 
What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.